listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Oh, hello, Internet. It's your pal Christian from the town of Oakville. And I'm sitting here in the commentator's chair just outside of the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome. And nothing goes better than sitting outside the uh, the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome than a cold can of my old favorite, Old Milwaukee. Let me tell you, it helps get that taste of Pinot Grigio right out of my mouth. Let's see who else is at the commentator's table for tonight's festivities. Well, hello, announcer Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mike Downs here, everyone. I'm in the laundry room on my squeaky chair drinking uh, PC Genuine Lager. It's cheap and not too bad. Well, hello, Christian and everyone else. It's Andrew Bloom calling in from London. I just squeezed into my tights and did up my wrestling things. <laughs> Shorts. Uh, I'm drinking a Lowenbrow. That's the beer of fighting people who fight. It's Andrew. <laughs> hey, 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 it's Michael DiGiovanni. I have got my trusty quarter staff and I'm ready for battle here in Toronto. And I'm fighting drunk people because that's right. I'm drinking a 10W30. Mm, mm, mm. Fighting. <laughs> Andrew. Hey, it's Andrew. Well, welcome back, Andrew. I guess they got that uh, single antenna erected back up so you have your internet again. I hear there's satellite in London now. <laughs> yes. I thought you guys were still on dial-up. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I am. I'm uh, rocking 33 kilobytes right now. I'm glad we're so confident that we can ostracize uh, all of our Western Ontario fans, for crying out loud. All, well, it's me, really. I'm the only one who signed up to listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Christian, we really don't have anyone pretty much west of Oakville. I thought thought your neighbor, Mrs. Terwilliger, listened while she was listening. She's actually east. She's the least of me. So everything's east of me. I hear we're huge in Sarnia, Ontario. (laughs) <laughs> Don't even get that one in Sarnia. Wow, he said, that's where I'm from. I'm from there. You can't even walk down the main street of that town with somebody bumping into you. Like, hey, where'd you get that T-shirt? Sign hey, my tits. <laughs> we, we are going out to the 519 now, man. Look out. <laughs> Woohoo. Now, um, before we get on to uh, tonight's festivities, one of my favorite test topics, how about we talk a little... Geek news. Geek news. Who's got some tonight? Right over here, fella. I've got some geek news. Some big, big things have dropped, and we're going to talk about them. First off, you guessed it, folks, some more superhero movie news. And finally, we get to talk about DC for a change and not that Marvel Entertainment. Because news has broken on the next Batman film, Dark Knight Rises. That's going to be Christopher Nolan's third film. And outside of Christian Bale, we didn't know what else was going to be happening in this until now. They've announced the two villains that are going to be casted for this film. And they are as follows. Catwoman is going to be played by Anne Hathaway. And Tom Hardy from Inception is going to play 
Bane. So there it is, guys. There's the two villains for the next Bats movie. What do we think? I have to be honest. As much as I, I actually got really excited finding that inf- finding out that out. I'm very good at speaking. Um, I, I can't help but get really nervous every time they introduce new villains into Batman films. In the past, they just got worse and worse and worse every time a new villain came in. And Bane, yeah, but but that's a, okay. That, I mean, first of all, we're comparing Joel Schumacher. Yes. I mean, I trust Christopher Nolan. Of course, I'm kind of I'm kind of being a little tongue in cheek here, but I still don't. You get that little bit of. I hope they do this okay. Yeah, that woman uh, scares the shit out of me, not in real life, but when they put her in film. But, but based on that, though, there is no villain that would make you feel comfortable. There is no one that would make you feel comfortable. Well, bad guys generally make me pee my pants. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying, though? It doesn't matter who they could say. They could say the penguin. You're going, oh. Exactly. By that, but I'm just saying, by that rationale, Batman movies and villains, when new ones come in, you get a little bit nervous. Except Joker, because it's been okay both times. See, this leads to one of my uh, uh, that that uh, we did our geek business show, and, and where when I, when, I, when I said we should start up that friggin' uh, uh, psychoanalyzing geeks and all that kind of shit, and this is basically exactly a, a, a good case of what I was talking about before, which is like kind of like trilogy itis. You know what I mean? Where this is like this is the third installment of a trilogy. The first two have been great, and you're just hoping they don't fuck it up. Yeah, like, I, w- I must say, the thing about it is, I trust Nolan, like I mentioned before, but these announcements are a little unexpected for both character and casting. Catwoman, in my opinion, I buy. I can see her in Nolan's Bat-verse, mm-hmm. but it's Anne Hathaway that's a little unexpected to me, but Bane? That's the one that has me a little bit, like, scratching my head a bit. Yeah, I'm not crazy about that. Um, you know, for my two cents, uh, I kind of like Anne Hathaway in terms of hearing her playing Catwoman. Um, I don't have any, I, I had to look up who she is. I don't really have any feelings towards her. And I think with her red hair, you know what I mean? She could Whoa. pretty much look like Catwoman. Uh, red hair? Who, who, who'd you look hair? up? Uh, the, I saw a picture of her with red hair for uh, some movie or something. Uh, I wonder what that movie was because she's typically 90% of the time I've seen her have bre- has brown hair. She was that girl from the the Princess Diaries. Yeah, like I think maybe the red hair. You may have seen her in that Alice in Wonderland movie or something. I don't fucking know, but well, I I, I looked up some picture of her when that when that that announcement came down, and and so uh, I, I, it didn't bother me too much. Um, and plus, I mean, hair color can change or whatever. She could probably pull it off. Uh, in terms of Bane. Um, I don't have such a problem with this. You know, when I think of the comic book, uh, you know, one of the, Bane's character, the way he was portrayed, uh, obviously, in the previous versions was a fucking joke of the film. But in the comic book, you know, he really outsmarts Batman and takes him down. And, I, you know, that's a pretty good uh, character, I think, to bring to the, to the big screen. And I trust no one that it will be done properly. So I was kind of excited by all this news. I think, uh, generally, people just always want to shit all over all the news all the time. And I just, I, I, I'm excited. I think I personally think Anne Hathaway is a great choice for Catwoman. She's a very good actress. She's got a freaking hot little body that would fit Catwoman quite well. So I'm not too concerned about that. And um, Bane as a character, I think, is a really good idea, especially if they actually use uh, his origin, which I don't think a lot of people know about, whereas essentially where Bane as a child was raised in a prison and eventually became the, you know, the freaking... Uh, 
the crime overlord that he is today, but it's actually quite a cool story. In fact, now the fact that in the comic books he's off the juice, so to speak, he's an even more uh, interesting character altogether in The Secret Six. Well, that's the thing, too, the off the juice. What if people don't know, Bane's character gets hooked on something like that's called Venom, which is in essence like a poor excuse for super steroids. But Mm -hmm. Bane is a good character. It just, it's sort of that out of left field where I have to get my mind around it. I really like Tom Hardy. I think he is a fucking great actor and he could pull off Bane. Uh, And, you know, I like Anne Hathaway as an actress and, you know, she's, the, the announcement of her is more like how I guess I felt when Heath Ledger was announced, where it's sort of like, whoa, okay, that's not what I was thinking out. But Heath Ledger was fantastic. Everyone poo-pooed on that when they heard about it. I'm sure she'll be good. I'm thinking uh, Catwoman is going to be portrayed quite less S&M, Michelle Pfeiffer-esque. And I think they're probably going to go more the cat burglar sort of style that's probably being portrayed more now in the DC Comics. Hmm. I know. I'm still. I'm excited. I mean, like again, you you have to trust friggin' Nolan for crying out loud. I mean, so far so good. Fingers crossed, and you know, try not to pee your pants while waiting for it. You know. Oh, too late. Oh, uh, just so, so you know, I just found a fucking picture of Anne Hathaway with red hair. So y'all can suck my dick. Yeah, but if you search Anne Hathaway red hair, you'll be able to find one. No, I, I just know. <laughs> I I actually just put Anne Hathaway, and the hat, the one that I came up was red hair. There are a lot of ones. You're right. She's mostly brunette, but it just so happened to be, I guess, whatever. News link I found had the one that's the one of her with the red hair. All right. So next time we'll see you, just make sure your penis is clean and we'll take care of business. Um, <laughs> the other thing is uh, I certainly hope, though, about Bane is that they don't make him wear a fucking fedora and a trench coat. As long as uh, Christopher Nolan doesn't have him do that. I think we'll be all fucking right. Yeah, you mean the classic thing from the Fantastic Four disguise. That was just <laughs> awful. Who is that, that gigantic <laughs> five-foot-wide man? So pebbles all over the must road. Be okay. <laughs> so bad. Uh, I have what? some more geek news, Christian. Oh, okay, well, how about you tell us what it is? There's just a plethora of geek news announcements, and this one is a biggie. Uh, in an interview with Keanu Reeves... He let it drop, among other things, that he had been talking to the Wachowski brothers who said after their newest film project, they've begun work on a scripts for The Matrix Part 4 and 5, apparently. So now is the world ready for more Matrix films? The rumor is, is that the Wachowskis have been consulting, and I'm using air quotes there, with James Cameron about 3D. And they want to do 3D like no one's ever seen before. So more Matrix, fellas? Well, a little bit of update to that. I don't know if you guys have seen the board. CT posted that this uh, rumor is completely false. That, oh, uh, yeah, that, um, the, supposedly it was an interview at some London school, uh, uh, you know, of like film or something. And this representative from that film school said they didn't interview Keanu Reeves today. So that's completely fabricated. All right. Well, let's take this geek, geek news is a lie. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's interesting that that has lit up. I mean, the, all the bo- news places we go to have been talking about these potential matrix four and five, and now it might all be bullshit. Isn't that crazy? 
Well, well, I don't want to see those movies then. Forget it. <laughs> I'm not going to watch those. Christian, they're not happening. I won't buy tickets at all. Oh, no matter the, what you say or do, I will not watch those movies. I refuse. Well, I mean, the other the thing, street. the other thing is that this could just be uh, a test to see how people, how interested people are. Well, I mean, let's think about it. Okay, you know, that news, it's not surprising that the world was set ablaze after, you know, hearing about Matrix 4 and 5. When I think of that, I kind of go, I'm a bit cautiously interested. I mean, do I, in a perfect world, want more Matrix exploration? You know, as we talked about this, how rich and fertile that potentially that universe is? Yes. But after Matrix two and three, no. So I mean, I don't. I'm a bit conflicted on this. Maybe they want to take another kick at the can. Maybe it would. They'd make it better. I'd, I mean, that sounds okay to me, at least. You know, that means I'll have to actually sit down and watch uh, the second and third ones because I haven't seen those yet. For crying out loud! I don't think you'll have to, honestly, dude. Nothing was accomplished in those films. Yeah, it's just the the buzz was so absolutely horrible when that second one came out. I just I believed everybody and refused to go see it. And I think I'm better for it. You, I don't think really, you really you've, missed out. You've never seen fucking anything, first of all, Christian. Shut up. I've yeah, seen lots of shit. Yo, you you're, haven't seen some yes, of the biggest you watch garbage with your wife ever. all the time. Your I'll wife tell. always has control of the fucking controller, man. Like I watched ever... that freaking Facebook movie last night, I'll have you know. We, we <laughs> need a resolution to make you watch all of these geek movies that you don't watch. I'm hey, sorry. That's a throw. I made a resolution to be a, a, more active in seeing fucking movies, all right? Uh, but I mean specifically things like the Lord of the Rings and the Three Matrix. Christian, shame, shame on you. Yeah, you're not not know some fucking Ashton Kutcher romantic comedy bullshit <laughs> like you're probably watching this Friday. <laughs> I watched the first 20 minutes of Valentine's Day and we turned it off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, hold on. You know uh, what? What I would say about the Matrix is, and I've said this before. We've said this before. It's a business. At the end of the day, and if they can resurrect this universe again, uh, I, I'm all for that. And I mean, let, let's think about some of those other properties that were uh, done, like the animation wait. movies and Animatrix and stuff, that were pretty freaking cool. So, I, wait a second. Are you all for them uh, coming out with sequels four and five as a as a business uh, proposition? That what's what interests you? Are you actually interested in seeing more movies about? the fucking matrix after the two abysmal ones that came before it uh, i think it's a, it's bound to happen so it's a business decision and I'll, I'll probably i don't know if i'll go to the theater and see them they'd have to be pretty damn good uh, but i would definitely check them out on a download situation this is becoming downs's default answer to everything that it's just a fucking <laughs> business down you know? salute to big business <laughs> <laughs> that's your new nickname man big business I downs. it's gonna happen eventually so i salute you big business and i welcome you I'm not saying I welcome it. I'm saying I begrudgingly live this way. <laughs> yes, you bend over and accept it. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, and before we go on, Krishna, I know you're about to uh, take over there, but um, there's another bit of geek news that I think we should probably talk about. Is that okay? Yes, that is okay. I grant you the privilege of giving us a third piece of geek news. Okay. He's going to okay. do it. Super news. Well, so this is a a bit of a sad day because uh, to mark that uh, Wizard Magazine is no longer publishing paper magazines. Uh, They're going away. They're only going to do an online uh, 
content now. Uh, Wizard Magazine is pretty much no longer as we know it. I think most people uh, assumed that they had been out of publication for about <laughs> two or three years. I loved how you struggled the, with the words, too. The, they're going to do an online, um, uh, I believe the word's website? Website. <laughs> well, it's not really. I mean, it's supposed to be an, an app or something. Is it I a, thought, what, what is he, it a he, magazine? <laughs> when, when he said that they were, they were going to put out an, uh, a paper magazine, I thought they were going to find some other suitable you know, physical material to put their magazine on. Rubber. You know, Wizard on stone tablets. <laughs> <laughs> Try something new. You know those guys always break a new ground over at Wizard. But, That's right. You know, I've got to say, I mean, this was something I read for sure. We've talked about it on this podcast before. You know, if you have re- been reading comics for a long time, and at least if you read them in the 90s, I would say, and maybe into the early 2000s, you likely picked up Wizard Magazine. It was kind of the industry news before the internet really got all hot. So, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, sad to say that, that it's going away, but am I surprised? I mean, I think the most recent issue had four pages. I mean, it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, it, I just think it's kind of a sad day. I mean, this is something that, to, to your point, this was kind of a staple of that industry, at least in its uh, the form that, it, that we're not going to see anymore. And that's just, I, I don't know, I thought it was worth mentioning for a Well, I don't know. I thought you would bring it. I thought you would be freaking ecstatic that uh, the that Wizard Magazine is now coming, taking an online form and, and probably adopting a new business model where you get everything from them for free. <laughs> it's big I business, don't. man. It's bound to happen. That's right. I actually heard on Twitter today that the Wachowski brothers were going to be doing the Wizard Magazine in a movie. <laughs> no, CT right. just said that isn't happening. That oh. Oh. So James Cameron's not doing 3D for the website then? <laughs> You guys are a fucking bunch of assholes. No, oh, we salute you, Wizard, you, Wizard Magazine, you in your new funny, business Dad. venture. I so, thought it was a little bit so, of a sad fucking thing, okay? So, yes, I would like it. I'll, I'll appreciate it more online. Fuck you. No, yes. I do. I agree, Downs. We all read that. I mean, do, do you guys remember, and I'm saying this more specifically to Christian and uh, and Downs. Cause I, don't oh, know I thought you were saying it with air quotes. No. Uh the, do you remember when Wizard Magazine started out that all of the covers they would feature, you know, famous uh, comic book characters, but they had to be dressed up as wizards? Do you remember for a period of time mm-hmm. they always had to have that wizard hat somehow in the, <laughs> in the cover? The purple fucking hat with stars on, like Spider-Man yeah. swinging by but wearing that stupid-ass hat. I wonder, I wonder if that was some sort of rights thing, like it had to have been. Yeah, or to make it some exclusive fucking uh, piece of art that they could yeah. hopefully sell themselves. <laughs> that was pretty dumb. And let me just say, that was one of the early precursors that shut them out of fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> Those fucking hats and wizard stars and shit like that. <laughs> all right. If we're done with all of this geek news business, let's get on to the meat and potatoes of tonight's episode. Episode episode ninety nine, ho 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 ho, ninety nine, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think about th- uh, three or four people actually took part in our poll on our uh, rapidly uh, ghost town like website to let us know that the one of the franchise topics that they would like to see us do next uh, would be versus. And uh, hey, who am I to say no to those three people on the internet for crying out loud? Uh, so here we are, uh, our fourth installment 
of verses. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the format of this show, uh, I have put together a series of matches with various characters from dif- different uh, disciplines of geekdom. Uh, these characters are put into the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome, uh, trademark patent pending, and these characters must somehow, some way, fight to the finish or the death, or whatever you want to call it, there has to be a winner. And we throw these combatants in, and us, the Atomic Geeks, decide who would win that match. So, let's, uh, let's start off with a little, a uh, little bit of a softball, uh, match, uh, from the world of <laughs> animation. Uh, the two combatants for our first fight in the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome. Uh, let's see here. In this corner, he is a villain and mentor of another villain and rules a planet called Etheria. His name is Hordak, the villain of She-Ra. And in the other corner, he is also a villain, uh, and he resides on a planet called Eternia, although not as successful as his mentor. You know him as that evil guy with the skull in his face, Skeletor! All right, ladies and gentlemen, these guys are going to do battle. Fight, fight, fight! Ding, Mr. Ding. DiGiovanni. Oh, sorry. Ring that bell! Ding, ding. Mr. DiGiovanni, what are your thoughts? Wow, wow this is a... We're starting off with a almost a main event quality match here. Uh, Hordak and Skeletor. This one, to me, is hard. Because, you know, it, this is going to be a huge battle. Lopsided, this is not. But, you know, when I think about that Hordak is the former mentor to Skeletor, that really seems to be the clinching thing to me in, in this battle, is that obviously Hordak has been at this longer, and uh, and he was the teacher, and Skeletor was the pupil. So I, I think that might give old Hor the the edge no it's it's fun it's funny that you say that because i mean you think of that in all old martial arts films where the old guy with the super long white beard uh, mustache and beard and everything always kicks so much ass because he's the master um i think i also have to go uh, with hordak in this case but not just because he was skeletor's mentor like skeletor's powers all seem to be based in magic and everything but hordak can change shape Hordak can, he, you know, has all these crazy abilities that Skeletor doesn't have. He just has a skull face. Well, but no, Skeletor does have magic powers, though. Yeah, he's a sorcerer as well. He is, is a he sorcerer, but I mean, Hordak is like a shape. He can turn himself into a cannon, which is cheesy as shit, but still hurts. <laughs> you get shot by a Hordak cannon. <laughs> that just sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for the Hordak cannon. You have to rub it a few times to make it work. Oh, boy. What do you think, Mr. Downs? Um, you know, I hate to be all agree, agree, uh, and I love Skeletor, but, you know, for the points that the gentlemen have mentioned, you know, Hordak is the uh, mentor. He, he is the uh, older, wiser. In terms of a wizard, he's everything that Skeletor already is. And as, as Bloom points out, he has these other powers, these kind of physical abilities as well, that I think, you know, I mean, Skeletor could be a bit of a bitch sometimes, you know what I mean? So, 
and I love the guy, but I just think that Hordak is the is the meaner, tougher yeah. guy, and, and would probably come out on top. The only thing that is probably a point against old Hordak is his arch nemesis is a woman. You know, no offense to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, easy, to, easy to look badass when you're fighting a chick. I mean. When you're fighting She-Ra and all of her bitches that she ran with. But, yeah, but, uh, but, but to his defense, though, Hordak does basically run that planet. Etheria is essentially like, or um, She-Ra is essentially like the rebel leader, so to speak. That's right. So he's won, in your, he to your successful. point. Yeah. yeah, he is successful in his campaign. You know, yes. one thing I was thinking about... As Andrew was and you were, uh, you know, debating Skeletor's powers, the one thing I remember about the action figures, the Masters of the Universe, is that when you uh, bought Skeletor and you bought He-Man, they had the each had a side of that sword. You know what I mean? Like uh, yes. Skeletor had the yeah, yeah. the purple one, and He-Man had the gray one. When they were put together, that was the magic sword. That was something that was kind of never really dealt with in the cartoon. Prince Adam just had that fucking sword, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I remember that. Yeah, you're totally right. So it's yeah, like like in the comic book like if they put two uh, two pieces of the sword together, they he would like you get you get like superpowers or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking if we were basing this or if they kind of ran with that Skeletor concept where they both had halves of this, you know, sword, I maybe would have given Skeletor a little bit more of an advantage, but I'm thinking in, I'm, I, I unfortunately have to base my opinion on the cartoons, uh, like mm-hmm. of Hordak and Skeletor. And Skeletor just had that fucking staff with a ram's head on ram's it. head on it. I mean, yeah, well, he could shoot something out of it, but yeah, I mean, he, he lost that sword to uh, Prince Adam in, in a game of craps. It really, <laughs> really was kind of pathetic on Skeletor's part. He was kind of more, he's more jokey than Hordak, I think. And, I depend on what version of Skeletor you're looking at, but like the cartoon one was kind of hash, eh? Uh, oh no, you won again, Prince Adam. Like he was a he had kind of a shitty voice. He eh? was a mafia guy from like the 1920s, and but I mean that that also gives him character. Like one of the the uh, Skeletor is a classic villain. You know what I mean? Who's the foil for for He Man? You know what I mean? So he's always getting, especially in that 80s cartoon world. You know what I mean? He's always getting one over on, and they're laughing at him in the end. You know what I mean? Is it him and his minions skulk away, right? Yeah, I mean, there's anything. If there's anything that that would, would let would possibly make Skeletor win this match, is the very fact that Skeletor is one sneaky son of a bitch, uh, and he's already fooled uh, Hordak once. But I think he he threw him through some dimensional portal at some point, right. like, according to their history. I mean, there's no real reason that you know, you know, Skeletor would seem like the kind of guy who would basically get his ass handed to him by Hordak, and then kind of like play possum, and then when Hordak thinks, "Ah, I've won." come up and basically cuff him one in the back of the head or something like that. Yeah. You know, this would really be different if we actually thought about if Skeletor and Hordak were able to have their henchmen with them. Because if this was like a a gang fight, then it might be different. Because I don't remember Hordak having really good cronies, where Skeletor had some badasses. But I think one-on-one, Hordak has to kind of win this shit. Yeah, it's funny. You look on YouTube. There, there is this fight outside, like or this fight that you know people have put music to and clipped together cartoons of Hordak versus Skeletor and things like that. I didn't realize until you brought it up, Christian, that this is kind of a thing that people talk about on oh, podcasts. Yeah. On podcasts, <laughs> apparently. What? What? I thought we were the only ones that did this for crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, you know when you know as we were just describing Skeletor and actually Hordak for that matter, is it not time for someone to really reboot this cartoon, but in a you know a darker, more adult fashion? I would think so because they tried to reboot He Man once already, right? Yeah, because uh, I mean, I've heard rumors, or maybe this isn't even a rumor. Maybe this is a fact that they're bringing out a new Thundercats, and it looks from the the animation, it looks pretty goddamn awesome. I'm thinking, like, I really quite like the mythology of the Masters of the Universe. It's pretty fucking cool. This, you know, Skeletor is a great villain, as Down said, but he could use a bit of a a bit of a polish in a certain respect, where he could become a little bit more evil and menacing than the that sort of like crackly like voice fucking wimp that he was at times in that cartoon like maybe give him a pair of pants for crying out loud (laughs) (laughs) okay so i think we're all agreement that in this match skeletor versus hordak uh hordak is definitely the winner of this round or of this fight Oh, they're fighting Hordak. more than one round. How many? How Seventeen many rounds. Ah, there is no rounds. I'm sorry. That that fight that fight's over. Hordak wins. Skeletor might take the third in the seventh round. I might just say. Shut up for crying out loud! All right, let's get to our next matchup. Now, uh, I, I, I I obviously thought of this matchup. It's an unusual one. I'm curious to how the uh, fellas are going to deal with this match. But uh, let's see what happens, and here it goes. Uh, in the one corner, we have a bunch of birds that are very, very angry, and they're looking for a fight. And in the other corner, we have the entire military force of World War II's Nazi Germany. Uh, they all fit into the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome, and they're gonna, we're going to discuss who would win in a battle between the Angry Birds and the World War II war machine of Nazi Germany. <laughs> now, let me preface this. So, for example, instead of, uh, if you look back at history, instead of Nazi Germany uh, invading Poland, uh, instead they basically uh, stole the eggs of uh, the Angry Birds uh, Allied Force, okay. uh, basically saying that the uh, the uh, the Angry Birds uh, army is essentially the, si- the same size as the Allies, and that's a lot of birds. That's a lot of birds. A lot of different kinds of birds, and they fight each other. Who do you think would win? Putting you on the spot, Mike Downs. Oh my god, that was the longest opening for one of the most retarded conversations I think we're ever going to have on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I uh, wanted the Angry Birds to fight somebody, and I couldn't think of something, and then all of a sudden this came to me. Nazi Germany. Why in the fuck are we talking about the goddamn Angry Birds is my biggest question. Um, they're hot. They're internet hot. Oh, God. <laughs> Give it up with the Angry Birds. Um, okay, but seriously, as the player of this game, if I'm to think about what the... Angry Birds, fucking idiot, have to offer in terms of arsenal. They've only got some bombs, some boomerangs. I don't know. I think the fucking Nazis have to take it. I guess if this is seriously a question that I'm have to answer. Yeah, but I, I, I have a fear that I'm going to answer this in such a bad way that we might get taken off of iTunes. 
What are you talking about? There's implications. There's things to think about for crying out loud. Well, uh, no, not so much. They have a, the Angry Birds, although a very good internet game and very popular and much more popular than most Nazis, uh, <laughs> they don't have any weapons other than, well, they do have exploding birds. And if the Nazis all stood in wooden castles with TNT inside it, they would probably, you know, be able to destroy them. But I think the guns and the tanks and everything else, they're going to, uh, you know, clean up the Angry Birds like Auschwitz. Well, you know what? If, if we actually think about this in context of the game, there's no reason that the Angry Birds couldn't take out a tank if, thro- if they were shot at it. Realistically, That's they're breaking true, down fucking I mean, walls. I mean, yeah, but they don't pigs... break down anything. Like whenever in the game, there's those wooden blocks, there's ice. If they hit ice, they don't necessarily destroy it. And there's also like anytime there's stone, they don't break through it. So if they hit metal, they'd probably just die. No, that's not true though, because some of the pigs in some of the levels have helmets on. Yeah, I'm assuming those helmets are made of metal. Yeah, you have to knock the helmet off first to kill them. Yes. So that means, so any kind of helmets or, you know, metallic forces on the ground would have to be taken care of by the Redbirds. They have atomic poop. Right. And then essentially other ground troops would have to be taken care of by the, essentially those other birds that drop bombs. Now maybe they have billions of angry birds. But there's a lot of birds. That's what I'm talking about. But we're not outnumbering the Germans by that much. What do you mean? I'm saying it's. I'm saying that they're, they're, uh, the Angry Birds force is comparable to the, uh, the the Allies force. Right, but I think you'd still have to outnumber the Germans at least fifty birds to one person. I don't know. I mean, I, you, don't, you don't know what how how, how badly those friggin' uh, bird dropping bombs. Ne- 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 nonetheless, those kamikaze friggin' bomb birds. That's they true. Cause, they cause sometimes when they land, they can k- take out three pigs at once. These would be some very very large slingshots to shoot, <laughs> you know, over over the Thames or to attack them into Germany and things like that. And enormous fingers to pull back the the slingshot. So this is what I think. I mean, when I was thinking about this topic, was that basically, you know, one of the great successes of of, uh, of, the, of the Nazis during World War II was their air force. Now they're basically facing a force that primarily resides in the air. So I don't think that that would seriously cripple them to begin with in, the, in their attempt to win the battle in the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome. No, but I mean, the uh, Angry Birds don't really fly a whole lot. They're mostly a ground-based offensive. They're all, they they're, are, all, they're all slung shot. But they are comfortable in the air. But, but I mean, they're not flying, though. See, I mean, if you're seriously going to talk about uh, that the, uh, the air dominance of the Nazi army, I don't think the Angry Birds can compete in that level because the Angry Birds aren't flying. They're fucking shot from slingshots. I don't know. I think if you get a whole bunch of slingshots set up and you set up a whole slew of those little blue birds that split up into three birds, they're fucking in trouble. Well, that, but that, that's ground-to-air defense. And that's the same thing that the Allied troops did. Uh, so, you know what I mean? That's still ground air. That's not like the Angry Birds don't have any fighters. Yeah, I think I have to agree with Downs there is that even though that they are birds in the game, they never fly. So I think that's like saying, oh, there was always talk of like, you know, Hitler dabbled in the fucking supernatural. We can't assume that, you know, mm. sort of thing. So uh, I think it's right. The Angry Birds are shot simply by that fucking, you know, slingshot. I mean, they're I mean, not a, flying. That's a pretty good point, though, because, I mean, once you kind of uh, toss the, uh, you know, if an angry bird freaking 
hit something and lands into a bunker and just kind of rolls around there and just gets angry. It doesn't kind of step up and start, you know, kicking some beak for crying out loud. I don't even know if it's angry at that point. It's more of a general frustration, I think. But (laughs) it's a fair point because, again, in terms of numbers, sheer numbers, because the Angry Birds are almost like a one-time use uh, weapon, you're going to need not only what the Allies had but probably twice as many. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm. to your point, they don't, 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 you know, uh, drop a bomb and then come back and drop another bomb and come back and drop another bomb. There was one bomb. Per, per fucking person, you know what I mean? Well, then that, or, that also brings up another important part of their arsenal, though. It, what about the Mighty Eagle? Whereas, you know, what if they have friggin' truckloads of uh, friggin' sardines that they could throw in the battlefield, and that giant friggin' eagle comes down and blows everything up? This is true. I can't believe we're having this conversation. I'm actually mulling it over. Oh, yes, the eagle. I forgot about that. Um, I... I I, I think, you know, as when we first started talking about this, I'm glad you didn't throw to me first because I was not – I was almost embarrassingly going, I don't know if I've made up my mind. But realistically, folks, the – I dare hate to cast a vote for the fucking Nazi Germanies, but it it's literally I, – I can't see how they will not defeat the Angry Birds. I think – I, with that, just the the actual way their arsenal, as Downs put it, the way they go to battle, it's just not going to be an efficient enough method in order to defeat the Allied forces. I didn't even think about that. I can say right after release a podcast, there it is in the Huffington Post. Uh, local Canadian podcast supports Nazi Germany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so Dijos, uh, you're supporting the Nazis, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, now that you say it that way, uh, no. Angry Birds. <laughs> yes, I don't think Angry Birds would win. And you, Michael da- uh, Michael Downs? Yes, I do not believe the... Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I also do support the Nazis in this con- in this conversation. But I just I thought it would be hilarious if we just freaking talked about it for crying out loud. You know, now uh, it's we have just fucked ourselves because <laughs> people are going to be able to take audio clips and just edit out and have Christian go, I do support the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, like, love Nazis <laughs> a lot. <laughs> You just set yourself up for the FBI <laughs> going up inside. Oh, your shit. Well, Bye. Christian, you're never running for mayor. <laughs> oh, boy. And it's, that's Christian, the, secret, the, the man secretly behind WikiLeaks. That's right. <laughs> how many how many uh, podcasts will be able to tweet on uh, you know some, on, and, on their episode now featuring the Angry Birds versus the Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Only here at the Atomic Geeks podcast. You won, folks. Um... All right, so let's move on to a big, juicy fight. I'm talking about the juiciest, ball-blazing, I'm not using good adjectives, fight, 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 fight we've ever seen in the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome. And I'm calling this the James Bond Battle Royal. And uh, though the, the combatants included in this battle royal uh, are basically all the main actors that we have know who have played said character. I'm talking about uh, Roger Moore. I'm talking about George Lazenby. I'm talking about uh, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, Sean Connery. Did I say Roger Moore? Yes. And who am I missing? Timothy I'm missing Dalton. one. Mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton. Thank you very much. Yes, Timothy Dalton. All released at the same time. Uh, and I guess their only uh, weapon would be that little freaking shit-ass pistol they put in his fucking hand every time he's making one of those movies. <laughs> What's was it Daniel the Walter? He didn't have one of those. No, he didn't. Are you sure? I, was he it used the, the a Walter... lot of other weapons. He must have had. 
what is it P twenty two, isn't it? Walter or Walter the Walter PPK. He's, anyway. Yes. Somebody uh, yell at me in the forums about that, for Christ's sakes. Um, so there you go. All of those fucking uh, James Bond dudes uh, wearing tuxedos, ready to fight. Who is going to win, or how is this battle going to play out? Andrew Bloom. The very first James Bond to die is the original James Bond, because no one knows him, and he was removed so quickly that he stinks. Oh, George Next. Lazenby? Yes. Well, technically, he's not the original one. He is actually the second one, and Sean Connery came back after him. Well, shoot they'll me. shoot you in the face for that. Um, next one, Timothy Dalton. Sorry, you did okay. Oh, you just didn't I disagree. Last. I disagree, man. I totally disagree with Whatever. that. Whatever. Actually, no. Sorry. I forgot about Roger Moore. He tripped on his way out <laughs> into the cage, landed on his own pistol, and died. Then, Timothy Dalton. Ultimately, the way it comes down to it, is it's Roger or uh, Sean Connery versus Daniel Craig? It's a face-off, and because Sean Connery's so old, no, I'm just kidding. This is obviously at their peak, correct? Yes, at their peak. That's a that's a good uh, way to put it. Yes. Um, you know what? I would almost, and I, this is terrible because Sean Connery obviously is super, super, super cool. James Bond, uh, and even though I will, and I've said in the past podcast, I like Roger Moore because I grew up with him, even though he's the tongue-in-cheek, jokey, whatever. Um, Daniel Craig kind of kicks a lot of ass, man. And it's probably because of modern technology and the, the stuff, the stunts that they perform and everything like that. And I know you guys are probably going to poo-poo on this, but I'm going to say Daniel Craig wins. Well, okay, I'll jump in here now, Andrew. I'm going to agree with a couple things. First of all, poor George is out first. I think that is... A, a... Yeah, I think we could all agree that Lazy Bee's like freaking like... Biting the Bond biscuit first. There he is quickly. over the top rope immediately. Immediately. Yeah. He may not even get out a bad pun. He may not even get a chance. <laughs> but I, Heads up. Like, and then get, and he's out. Uh, <laughs> like, but you, and you have to admit, there will be a lot of shitty one-liners in this fight, right? They're going to look good saying them. Isn't that the, the whole fight, though? They don't actually punch. They just say things. <laughs> right while they're giving, like, judo chops to the fucking neck. Yeah, holding martinis. <laughs> the drunkest, <laughs> suavest, worst one-liner fight ever. How's but... this for a Thunderdome? <laughs> <laughs> but, so I agree, George is gone. Roger Moore is closely followed. He may not even make it to the fucking ring, to be honest. But, Andrew, I gotta disagree. I think Pierce Brosnan is shortly following oh, those guys. I forgot about I... Pierce. I left him out. Timothy Dalton is a very underrated Bond. He yep. was in The Living Daylights is a great, great James Bond movie. His other one, not so good, The License to Kill. But he was a he was a badass. He was almost more of a return to the Sean Connery form uh -huh. than the Roger Moore and then even Pierce Brosnan. But I do agree, Andrew, the final battle is going to come down to Daniel Craig and Sean Connery. But there is no way that Sean Connery is losing that fight. You think so, eh? Wow. I, you know really, what? Eh? Sean Connery, he's, he's the, he's the Bond, right? If it was just in a matter of which Bond is the best Bond, then Sean Connery would put up much more of a fight. But I just, I have to give the edge to the more modern Bond because of just the things that they put, they, he's able to do because of the movies being newer. And more up to date and cool and slick, he's more physically talented and you know wields more than just a small gun or silly watches. 
But see, I, I don't think that's fair to say that, oh, because of quick editing and better fight choreography, like he, that makes him a better, a better bond. You know, it's like, I get it. Like Sean Connery's films were happening in the 1960s. That's a disadvantage. You know, he can't compete with fucking, you know, born identity wannabe fucking James Bond, Daniel Craig. Like, so uh-huh. no, but I mean, you know, the opening sequence with all that fucking parkour shit that showed a physicality uh, uh, to James Bond that we have not seen in, in, in many any other James Bond. Yeah. So you know, from uh, to to Andrew's point, and uh, you know, I'll throw my you know, I, I agree, it's down to Sean and you know Daniel here, and uh, it's it's got to be Daniel Craig. I just think he's a tougher James Bond, like he is. You know, like a fucking badass, tight, fucking worked out to the motherfucking like he and then they show that in those movies, whether it's a different way of making the films now it is. But they've showed on film a more physical bond. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I got to have to agree with the downs, but don't get me wrong. Sean Connery is my favorite bond. He is my bond. Never Say Never Again or any of the other movies, he's my favorite Bond. I mean, uh, Lazenby, he goes down right away. Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, or Sucking Face, as they get friggin' shot in the head. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Dalton would put up a good fight, much like DJ said. He's a totally underrated Bond. Great Bond. He, you know, he kicked ass, didn't take any shit. Sean Connery, though, as much as I love Sean Connery, if I'm comparing Sean Connery to Daniel Craig, the thing about Sean Connery, though, is he's still a bit of a dandy. Not to the degree of Roger Moore was, thank God. But, I mean, he's still that, uh, kind of like that urban sophisticate. Daniel Craig is a fucking killing machine as Bond. That guy is all business, for crying out loud. You know, he's in a poker game, goes, you know, gets poisoned, gives himself a friggin' defibrillators yeah. and go back and finishes the game. You know, he freaking kicks a whole lot of shit and a whole lot of ass and, and, and doesn't say really much about it afterwards. He's all business. Yeah, I, I agree. He is... More of like an assassin, uh, you know, loose cannon bond, which might be playing with some of the stereotypes that we have in modern day movies. And that's why Sean Connery sort of has an unfair advantage. Like you're saying, DJ, because of the fact that he was in the Bond film so long ago, don't get us wrong or me wrong. Like Sean Connery obviously kicks serious ass, but I just don't think physically he could he could hold up to Daniel Craig. Yeah. Daniel Craig's bond is not as sophisticated as Sean Connery's bond, but for skills that require, you know, a, a fight, fight, win in the, the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome, uh, Daniel Craig has got the gooks in my opinion. I, but I see, I disagree. I think Sean Connery's bond seems like a much more experienced bond than what we're seeing in Daniel Craig. Daniel mm-hmm. Craig is a, uh, you know, a little fucking upstart if you will, versus a wily veteran, uh, you know, as that's, much as that's, that's true. D like you're saying he just, he's more suave and has, he's done it all before. He's got, yeah. The and I would, I, I would, I, I would make the argument that Sean Connery is probably more disciplined in all of his fighting styles. I think what you're seeing him is he's all testosterone and rage, which is good in a fight. But ultimately I just think Sean Connery is, too experienced. He represents a, a bond in his prime where Daniel Craig represents a bond at the beginning, you know, just kind of finding his legs, if you will. So no, Connery, and, and Connery would beat him with his sophistication. 
Well, I just think experience. Experience. And I, I think, I mean, I think that's, that's a, it's a fair, uh, you know, comparison to the two bonds, you know, but I think in terms of a physical, a physical fight, um, I, I think what, what Christian said in terms of, um, Daniel Craig's bond, I think of, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of those books like Mac Bolin. It's like an assassin. Like Christian was totally right that I think, you know, Daniel Craig's bond is much more of a, um, a killer than, uh, Connery's was more of a spy, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? He killed when he had to, but I mean, Daniel Craig is breaking guys' necks like it's nobody's fucking business. Like it just, it is that, it is so much more, it seems. You know what I mean? Like violent, not even. You know what I mean? Like it, he's a killer. He's not, uh, and he happens to sleep with a couple women, whereas, you know, Connery and a lot of the other Bonds all over are spies who steal secrets and fuck a lot of chicks, and sometimes when they have to kill some people. I, I think their, their characters are very different in that respect. So, okay, let's hear, let's hear what we think here. Obviously, uh, D. Joe, he's voting for Connery, and I, I, gosh, do I respect that. Uh, Andrew? I can, I'll stick with Daniel Craig on this one. I, I'm yeah. sorry, Sean. Yeah, Mr. Downs? Yeah, yeah, I think Daniel Craig. Yeah, and I'm going for Craig, too. Uh, I mean, no offense to you, Sean. Sean Connery is the best Bond. But I think when it comes to taking care of the business in the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome, uh, Daniel Craig has got the goods. Um, let's see here. Let's move on to more of a, a softball match. Uh, I'd be uh, interested to see uh, what the fellas think of who could actually win this match. Uh, they are from two iconic uh, combatants from two iconic geek properties. Uh, let's see what happens here. Uh, in this corner, he is a scientist who is trapped on a desert island and unable to fix a hole in a boat. Uh, you know him as the professor. And in the other corner, he's a doctor. We don't know what a doctor of what he is, but he is uh, a master of time machine and 80s sports cars. You know him as Doc Brown from back to the future. I thought oh, I thought you meant Professor X. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The professor from Gilligan's Island. So there you go. <laughs> Ring that bell. Ding ding. And let's go to Mike Downs and see if he can think on his feet. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I was thinking Professor X had this down, but um I I'm pretty sure in the email I said the professor from Gilligan's Island. Just said, said the, the professor. professor. Oh, did it? Well, did anybody else figure it was just the professor from Gilligan's Island? I, I did. I did. All right, then, Andrew, let's start with you. Well, I didn't realize that would put me on the spot right away. Um, you know, you know, as as good of a point you make with saying that the professor couldn't even fill a hole in a boat, which seems quite simple for a professor, but Doc Brown is a bumbling fool. I, as cool as he is and the fact that he did invent a time machine. I don't think he's he's holding his own. He he reminds me of someone who would fight like Mr. Furley uh when he got down to the fisticuffs. Uh the professor, a little younger, uh a little more fit, um has a lot of coconuts at his disposal. I think uh Professor from Gilligan's Island is gonna take this one. Wow. I'm actually surprised by that answer. I say Doc Brown for sure, beats Why, the professor's Why, because of his ass. years of being a pedophile? 
I mean, who else has a young boy from high school come and hang out with you at your lab? Wow, you took that into a very strange, dark, dark place. And thank you for ruining the Back to the Future trilogy for legions of fans. And first of all, I want to say sorry to my neighbor, Jimmy. Um, I guess you can't come over anymore and work on model trains with me. <laughs> no, that is true. That is a very nice... That's a very good observation uh, of Doc Brown. But still, let us talk about the actual battle at hand here, folks. Doc Brown is a, is a man who created a time machine stealing fucking, uh, you know, plutonium from terrorists. And let's, I do recall him being back in the old West, being able to fashion fucking rifles and take out Biff Tannen's team. The prof- he's not as much of a bumbling fool. And I don't remember what show you were watching. The professor was not like the king of, Mach- uh, was not the king of machismo either. This fucking Claude could not get them to fix a fucking boat. This guy is clearly not very handy, all right? He was he was more interested in seeing the viscosity of fucking coconut oil. I mean, I for some reason. I think he was reason. more interested in getting into Ginger's pants, and that's why they're on the island for so long, because he wasn't too smooth. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't think he was. I don't think uh, the professor was really that interested in getting anybody's pants. He was seemed kind of an asexual entity on that island, if you ask that me. That was kind of a, just a joke. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the chicks all liked him, didn't they? And they had nothing, he never clued in, wasn't that? He was missing a penis from, from some weird coconut accident. He lost his penis. So I um, got to say Doc Brown, man. But do they have time that. to create things? Like, this is, if they're just throwing bare-knuckled boxing into the middle of a ring... You, yeah, but okay, you're so not that, creating stuff. Okay, well let's say well, that's well, a parameter. Okay, well, let, let me jump in. Didn't did okay, so let me put my two cents in here. Um, you know, cuz did they not when they went back to the past, um didn't Doc Brown have to do some boxing or say he used to do boxing or something? Well, Am I just I making that. that up or something? No, or he was a be, gift wrapper. Well, I mean, and, and and the other thing is also, you know, he's got a longer reach. You know, if they are boxing, um, you know what I mean? He's a, it's Christopher Lloyd we're talking about, right? So, um, I think, I agree with DJ. I think Doc Brown's going to take him out. Like they'll, it'll, they'll, they'll be like two little rats fighting maybe. You know what I mean? Like it's not well, going to be Hollyfield and, you know, whoever, but. He did probably toughen up all those years working at that taxi, uh, outlet. <laughs> no, but I think his time spent in the old West showed that Doc Brown could, uh, you literally toughen up. You know, I didn't see any toughening up after fucking the professor had spent all this time on a goddamn island. Oh, no, you, you, you didn't you didn't see the scenes where he was like working out a la Cape Fear with the tattoos on his back? <laughs> Those must be extras on the Blu-ray. Yeah. That's right, where he's doing like freaking handstand push-ups, you know, coconuts, coconuts, coconuts. <laughs> So what you're saying is the professor is this dark, twisted man who never wanted the other castaways to leave. It was like he was trapping them on the island. He was. Exactly. He was. The, he was the one who ended them up there. Really, when you see the the deleted scenes on the DVD, this is this is what it shows. He trapped everyone there. It's actually the original Lost series. Yeah, Ties yeah. in and starts there. Actually, you haven't seen that because he's always like, can't fix a hole in the damn boat. I can fix a hole in the goddamn boat. I don't want to fix a hole in the goddamn boat. 
I like it here. Uh, I, 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 for some reason, though, I mean, if I'm going to pick who's going to win this fight, I mean, uh, uh, my immediately I go to Doc Brown. I mean, he lived in the Old West, and he's able to negotiate with terrorists, for crying out loud. I mean, there's got to well, be a certain amount of... negotiate that well, though. No. He well, he understand, shot. though. He, st- he still was able to, you know, risk his own life and enter, you know, conversation with, hey, Blotonium, blah, 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 blah. But, uh... <laughs> But, you know, in my heart of hearts, I'd like to think that, you know, there's a certain dark, shady past to the professor. I mean, here's a guy who knows so much. I almost think that maybe he's like this kind of like CIA operative mm-hmm. that's really totally badass. He's just not letting his cover blown his entire time on the island. No, exactly. what it is, it, it, was, it was a far out outpost for like the fucking Korean War. It was all like fucking the government's doing. Wasn't he, but wasn't he like just a science teacher? Wasn't that yes. it though? He was a high school science teacher <laughs> oh. who came to the this island. That ruins it for sure then. A high school science teacher came to the island to uh, write a, or, or basically was going on the three hour cruise planning to write a book called Fun with Ferns or something like that. Doc Brown's <laughs> killing him. Yeah, I'm yes. starting to, now that I know those facts, I'm starting to wonder about this homo. The, the <laughs> thing is, is, the worst part is, is there, it's a three hour tour from civilization. How far could they have gotten? Like they, you know what I mean? Right, are, are Couldn't we, you just <laughs> swim back? Are we, we're going to start with the, the Gilligan's Island jokes no. now? No. <laughs> and how about those airline peanuts? Has that stopped uh, us any time before? No, that's not. That's, that's true. So that's why I'm stopping us now. Uh, all, all I want to say is some guy who doesn't tap either Marianne or Ginger has got problems deep down somewhere. Right. So I, I mean, he could be a fucking crazy motherfucker when he gets into the super fight. That's though. right. He's so deep undercover, he doesn't even know who he is anymore. So you're right. saying he's pent up because he never got to get his rocks off with Ginger or Marianne? That's true. That could be true. <laughs> Gilligan, yeah, that, that, he was... Back yeah. shit crazy because he didn't. Get yeah, at least Skipper and Gilligan had each other. I mean, they're <laughs> seamen, right? For crying out loud, no. this is, goes with the parcel and territory for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what boat you've been on. <laughs> hey, little buddy. Um, okay, so I guess I think the, the 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 results of that match is pretty clear. Doc Brown kicks the living shit out of uh, possible undercover CAA operative, the Professor. Although, if it was Professor X, I think it might have been a different story. <laughs> yeah. Slightly, yeah, slightly different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's right. Let's wait. Let's talk about that fight, okay? Uh, Professor X versus Doc Brown. Die, Doc Brown. Okay, and that's it. <laughs> Let me think about <laughs> uh, All right, so let's uh, move on to our uh, next matchup. Uh, and this is going to be a, what how they say in the wrestling business, is a three-way dance. And uh, these uh, contestants are, will be very familiar to you once you uh, hear their descriptions. Uh, in our one corner, uh, he is a longtime game show host that really knows how to spin a wheel and his alphabet. Uh, you know him as Pat Sajak. And in the other corner, he knows all the answers. You just have to put it in the form of a question. Uh, I think he's from Canada. I could be wrong. I could have looked it up, but I didn't. <laughs> His name is Alex Trebek, host of Jeopardy. And our final competitor, he is and always, always will be the host that I love the mostest for this television show, The Price is Right. I'm talking about Bob Barker. 
It's a three-way battle. Who would win this fight? Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, or The Price is Right? What do you think, Michael Downs? Uh, let me first just say that three-way dance is my favorite type of wrestling match. Um, <laughs> so going to be a slobber knocker. And so what that means, though, is that as one person goes down, there's two left, and the two go on. So who's going out first, I think, is what you meant to ask me, Christian. Um Yes. <laughs> I think, you know, I like Pat Sajic. He's, uh, he seems like a pretty okay guy. If you actually, he's hosted like Regis show before and he's actually a funny dude. Um, and I actually like the Wheel of Fortune, but I think. The first pet person to be eliminated has to be Pat Sajak, uh, just because of the other two combatants in this fucking match. I think it comes down to, um, you know, Pat Sajak. No, not Pat Sajak. I just said, get rid of him. Uh, what's his name from Jeopardy? Alex, oh, Alex Trebek. You know, with the mustache, crazy Alex Trebek. I think he could go crazy. I think there's a lot of pent up rage inside of that man. Um, but then you've got, you know, Mr. fucking Bob Barker, you know, who's, Tapped all kinds of crazy big titted ass on that show and beat right. the fuck out of Billy Madison. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. It comes down to that and I, I I'm not sure where it goes yet. I, I have, I'm undecided. Michael DiGiovanni. But I, well, I agree that Pat Sajak is going out first. I mean, for as, you know, as much as we all may like Wheel of Fortune, the man is a bit dainty. So I, he is gone. I, Downs, it's very funny that you said that because I saw the, the darkness a little bit in Alex Trebek as well. I don't know what it is. He, uh, he is so stoic and he's so like, you know, speaking and backwards, having to form everything like a fucking question. I just get like, he's almost like an assassin a little bit. But, or an undercover CIA operative. Yes, an undercover CIA. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. But I, come on, man. Uh, you know, this is Bob Barker. Let's, let's run down the list of accomplishments. Yes. He was in Happy Gilmore. That was a bit accentuating his character as he beat up Adam Sandler. But still, nonetheless, they didn't pick Alex Trebek for that role. And another thing is, this man might be immortal. Like, he is, <laughs> he hosted that show so long. Like, 86, he, 86 years he hosted yeah, like, it. He's he, 164 this year. Like, yeah, and he retired from the prices right to work at a logging camp. Like, Dude, the guy is like went on. He might be a robot for all we fucking know. He's got some sort of allegiance with the Wild Kingdom because he's constantly telling them about the fucking spade your neut and neuter your pets. So he's got something. I mean, I think he practically can get them to do his bidding. I think. But yeah, because there there are a lot of wild animals running free in the Atomic Geek Super Fight. Dome. This is true. You never know. I mean, or he could have just been raised by wolves. I mean, we don't know. But the other thing I did know is you, Christian, is that Alex Trebek is Canadian. He was actually born and raised in a town called Sudbury. So uh, I'd like, you know, I love to support a, a fellow. Another Canadian. reason why he would win, exactly. But listen, what you didn't know is after doing a little bit of research, Bob Barker grew up on an Indian reserve. So this man, he's got a sordid past. You know, some shit went down on an Indian reserve, man. <laughs> <laughs> they were at least importing illegal cigarettes, at the very least. <laughs> at the very least, <laughs> not to stereotype whatsoever. That's well, right. They're smoking the they're smoking the peace pipe and kicking ass. You have to understand when Bob Barker was young and growing up there. This was nineteen odd six. It was still the Wild West. Like it was. Christopher Columbus had not come yet. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember when Bob Barker and I were hanging out. 
as kids. So Bob was Barker fun. was at the first Thanksgiving is what you're saying? Have you seen Dances with Wolves? It's actually Bob Barker's life story. Yeah, but the, his in, uh, his Indian name was Showcase Showdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And think about it, too, how strong his arms must be from gripping that giant fucking uh, spinning wheel, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's spikes on that, But too. there is – don't you just think there's something deep inside? Alex Trebek, you ever notice his show? That shit is nailed down. There's no room for error. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, he manages everyone when he talks to him, and then it's question. You know, I don't uh, know. I just think that he's a little bit of a control freak, and he's – Oh, I see. That. So I see. So when, he, when he was, he's, so when he gets into the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome, he's able to release his primal rage, and finally the fury of the Trebek comes out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you're yes. saying he's almost like that guy in a Yakuza whenever you see, like, the small little Asian guy that they're like, he's going to do something. Just wait. He's going to do something. That small guy that just unloads. That yeah. could be Alex Trebek. A that- neck choke. And he just starts growing huge. <laughs> <laughs> I say Jack might kick ass, too. You never know. I Although I discount Pat Sajak pretty quick as well. My girlfriend, for some reason, was saying Pat Sajak would win that fight. Yes, we were talking about this. Uh, but no, Trebek's Canadian, so he's going to punch Pat Sajak in the face. His intestinal fortitude is second to none. Now you but, mean he'll pull his shirt over his head and yes. like huh? and <laughs> jersey him? He'll jersey him. He'll jersey him for like a Sudbury Saturday night, and he will fill him, uh, and Pat Sajak will go down. Bob Barker will sit casually in the corner sipping, uh, you know, Mai Tais from one of his hot ladies waiting for Trebek to beat the snot out of Pat Sajak and then saunter over lightly and take his uh, robot wolf Indian powers and rip off Trebek's head. No, I, yeah, you have to give Barker some special powers because dude's Bob Barker and, you know, watching him in, in Happy Gilmore, for some reason we all think of him as kind of this funny, tough old dude. Alex Trebek is crazy, though, I can imagine. Yeah. So I mean, the guy, the guy hosted Pitfall for crying out loud. I mean, that's got to drive a man crazy. Well, he, it's like all that information in his head, it's got to be ready to explode. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I mean, uh, Sajak's out. I only threw him there for friggin' shits and giggles for crying out loud. But let's face facts. Friggin' Bob Barker, grown up in an Indian reserve. Uh, first of all, I know for, for a fact that he is a black belt in karate. He's also a friggin' uh, vegetarian. So, and he knows how to spay and neuter animals. With his teeth. So, I mean, uh, oh, exactly. oh, I didn't know he did it personally. Oh, yeah, that's his hobby. <laughs> um, so, needless to say, I think freaking, uh, uh, freaking Trebek's w- walking or rolling out of the Super Fight Dome without any ability in his private parts, yeah. and Barker's going to freaking take well, it Trebe- hands down. Trebek's only got, he's got a few years on Barker, but I don't think it'll matter when you st- stack all that up. And like you're saying, Sajak, the only thing he's used to hitting is uh, Vanna White in the face when she gets a letter wrong. So, <laughs> so what they, you're saying they promote, is- they promote uh, violence to women on that show quite often, I heard. So, Christian, what you're saying is Alex Trebek's going to hear that bum, 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 bum. So let's hear it. Who's winning this uh, this match, Andrew Bloom? I'm going to have to say Bob Barker. DJ? Bob Barker. Mr. Downs? I'm sticking with Alex Trebek. Wow. Uh, I'm going with Barker, so Barker wins for crying out loud. How can you not vote with the Barker? I mean, no offense to uh, our uh, home, our homeboy, uh, Alex Trebek, for crying out loud, but, I mean, Bob Barker kicks all kinds of ass. Da-dump-dump. 
Um, okay, let's move on to our next uh, interesting matchup. Again, another matchup that I'm curious about how the fellas are going to interpret a winner out of this scenario. Uh, so let's start with the introductions. Uh, in the one corner, this is an internet website where you can tell people all about the mundane things you've done during the day and at night and whatever and post up pictures and start up fantastic fan pages that you should go to and like, like, like as soon as possible. Uh, in the other corner, it's another website that deals with the social network, but you can only communicate 140 characters at a time. I'm talking about Twitter. I didn't even introduce the name of the first one. No, you didn't. Did it's Facebook, jerks. You can figure it out, for Christ's sake. So this is what it is. Uh, in tonight's matchup in the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome, it's Facebook versus the Twitter. Now, let's uh, let's see. Michael Giovanni. how do you interpret this match to end up? I would, for one, really like to see this fight because I have no idea how this is even going to look or work. But, you know, I love Twitter. We're all on the Twitter. You can reach us on Twitter. And we're actually on Facebook as well. Uh, let's might as well use this chance to do a cheap little plug. But I've got to say, I love Twitter. That's I, I much prefer that to Facebook. I'm not doing a lot of Facebooking uh, anymore. But when we think about this in terms of a conflict, I gotta say, I feel Twitter is slightly dwarfed here. First of all, Facebook is got way more users. Like, let's think about it in that respect. Twitter's caught on like wildfire, but Facebook practically next to Google and has taken over the world. As well, too, is Facebook has a lot more going for it. It can turn you into a zombie. It can... You know, there's so many fucking elements to this. It can poke you. There's, you know, it, it just has a lot more fighting styles than Twitter's very limited, short 140 characters that it can toss at Facebook. You know, Facebook can just, it seems like it has a breadth more of weaponry and, and, ha and ultimately its army, unfortunately, Twitter, it is, uh, its army is a bit larger. So I've got to go with Facebook. Andrew Bloom. You know, I'm a little bit uh, with Deidre on this one for a couple of reasons. One, I'm on Facebook right now uh, typing. I'm not tweeting. I'm booking. No. Uh, and and Twitter, although uh, Twitter has all the famous people and all the shows tweeting everything like that, and Dana White from the UFC does it during fights and everyone likes to tweet, it's not an obsession like Facebook. Uh, people get mesmerized by Facebook and like DJ was saying, there's just so many more followers. And let's face the let's face the facts here. There's no movie about the birth of Twitter. There is about Facebook the phenomenon. Um, just based on fans and sheer volume, uh, Facebook wins because uh, I said so. Michael Downs. Yeah, you know, it's pretty hard to uh, argue with uh, what the guys have said. You know, from a from a pure numbers perspective. Uh, in terms of a, a battle, if we're thinking of armies, you know, Facebook dwarfs uh, Twitter. Um, I like Twitter more. I'm on Facebook less, but uh, those of us on the Twitter side would get killed. Yeah, I mean, if anything, the Facebook army 
it, it, it does have it does have a lot of kind of a, a drones or I guess members that you know have barely any idea what Facebook is out, but still take part in it. Whereas Twitter, if people don't understand it, they just don't fucking do it. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that's the thing. That too. makes sense. The, the Facebook <laughs> army, though, you have to admit. Yeah, if you look at like per not per capita, but the the individuals who use each of those sites, I would look at Facebook and be like, "There's a lot of youngsters who are kind of idiots all <laughs> over the Facebook. Like these are these are a lot of teenage girls putting up pictures of themselves in inappropriate um, poses. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but Twitter is is maybe more of a more I would say could be more intelligent. Um, used by media more often. So if it was, if you took one-on-one -on -one battles and it wasn't simply volume of people, Twitter might come out on top here. But like Dijo's saying, you just have so many people and there are more options and there are more reasons for people to write shit on Facebook, I guess, or the fact that you can post pictures and whatever. Is that a punch? I don't know. Does that help? Is that a kick? Well, like, I mean, you can Facebook? do more with Facebook. Like Twitter Agreed. is, Twitter is a little one-dimensional. Sorry, Twitter. I mean, Facebook just has a lot more that you can do. I mean, yeah. th there's so much more that you can do. But Andrew, I was, as you were explaining that, trying to understand the personality of both of these things, yeah. it's not going to be a landslide because when you think about it, Facebook, you get friends. Everyone's friends. So there's a sort of happy-go-lucky, family-esque sort of uh, mentality to Facebook, where on Twitter you get followers, all right? So here it's almost more of like a cult, you could say. You're actually brainwashing people in that you don't even know to follow you. Where, friend, where Facebook you connect and like and all this stuff. So it's a little bit more family pussyfooting, where uh, Twitter could be a little more darker, we could almost say. But I just think... Ultimately, volume and the uh, what uh, the more you just have the ability to do more on Facebook, that's going to go in Facebook's favor. Well, and you know, just uh, just to you know continue on what, kind of what you were saying, Mike. Uh, it's funny because I was thinking that just the other day, you know, Facebook is who you. Um, were maybe you know what I mean, and uh, so you know what I mean. Like you, you talk to people that you used to know and you're kind of friends with in the past. Whereas Twitter are people that you have similar interests in. At least the way I use Twitter, and I think the way that those of us on this podcast use Twitter. You know what I mean? We use it in geeky interests and comic book stuff like that. And it's, um, it's it's not people who knew us. In the past, you know what I mean? In terms of the, the personalities of things, you know what I mean? Like Twitter is, is definitely more about, I think, how you see yourself as opposed to Facebook maybe more about how other people see you, if that makes sense. Well, um, that, there's that. actually a, there's actually, uh, someone once said about the difference between the two of them was Facebook is where you lie to people you know, and Twitter is where you tell the truth to people you don't know. <laughs> That's probably pretty correct. That's interesting. I always, I always imagined when we, we were, when we, we would discuss this fight, I thought that we'd actually kind of humanize each website into an actual human form. But what they actually were as, I have no idea what they would look like. I mean, I kind of almost saw Twitter, Facebook as a, a kind of a giant with a lot of weaponry, but I think Twitter as the kind of little small friggin' lightweight fighter just pop it in, pow, 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 140 characters at a time, like that, da da da, -da jab, jab, jab. But I think ultimately when you think about it, Facebook will just crush twitter overwhelm over, it 
overwhelm it with yeah. its, its size and its arsenal and so on, so on, so it's on. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, right? Like the, the, they'll just be overrun with all the little Facebook cretins. Yeah, that's right. Facebook cretins. I like that. Uh, so the, I, I think that's a resounding win for Facebook versus the bloodied corpse of Twitter. Um, Which we would be part of, but <laughs> I guess so. And now uh, for our last matchup, uh, and, and all the time that I had of trying to think of 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 this of this uh, matches for this episode, I said to myself that I want RoboCop to be in one of the matches. And for the life of me, I was trying to think of someone, and you know, an adversary, a, a unique, creative adversary for RoboCop uh, that would make an interesting fight in the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome. And I think I may have succeeded. I'm hoping it creates some interesting conversation. So let's see what happens as RoboCop faces off against Rosie, the Jetsons maid... Uh, in tonight's final matchup in the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome, how do you see this one ending, Michael Downs? Uh, I think you failed in your attempt to find an equal match for the RoboCop. <laughs> um, I, I think this uh, is not even a question. Um, I think RoboCop destroys what's her name, the robot maid. Uh, you know, he's got his gun. He can blow the fuck out of her before she even moves anywhere. He's a badass Robocop. She does have a vacuum, but I don't think it's sucking up any bullets. They, like, Robocop, I understand, Christian, you really, really want a, a robot butler. And this is probably the closest thing that you can think about for it. But I, I, I don't know. With Robocop, he's, he's a humanoid killing machine. Uh, although, Upholding the law, uh, we'd somehow have to rewrite his programming to just kill robots. Uh, I don't think that Rosie stands much of a chance. I'm going to disagree. I have to tell you, folks, and here is why. We are un- you're, you're somewhat <laughs> underestimating the the Rosie. She is super powered. Uh, she, you know, she's lifting shit up. She's just as strong, arguably, as. RoboCop. But remember, he is a cyborg, ultimately. He is human-based. There is still a human in there. She is all robot. Gun isn't going to do a lot against just another machine. You know, it's... And one of the things about Rosie, you have to remember, she has described her window spray as, like, radioactive mist. So... She gets that sprayed into RoboCop's human fucking mouth. I've got to tell you, I think this will be a titanic battle, but I, I, I got to give the edge to the maid, man. I think he, you know, RoboCop fought a lot of human people and had a lot of problems with that. She is a full on robot, man. No, but the fucking, uh, Whatever that, uh, the first fucking, uh, mechanical, uh, robot that they bring out before Robocop, uh, he has to take those down, those fucking, ro- the, you know, the ones in the machine guns. No way. I mean, there's just no way. Well, it, bear with me as I, as I side with, uh, Mr. D. Giovanni, uh, in the same fashion. Because essentially, the Ed 209 and Robocop, who are basically, uh, law enforcement, uh, mechanical devices in the not too distant future, are essentially 
basically the building blocks, the, the, you know, the primitive technology that eventually evolves into Rosie the maid for the Jetsons, for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, this is the not-too-distant future. I'm talking about Rosie the robot who exists and lives in the year 2062. I mean... I'm sure at this point now, this is a robot that is basically designed to take all kinds of damage, because let's face facts, she lives with the Jetsons, for crying out loud. And who's to say, and you know, don't you know, get me wrong, I'm using creative license here, who's to say that Rosie, the, the robot maid, does not have some kind of security protection uh, protocol that activates when she is or the Jetsons right. are threatened? You're speculating. I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're reaching now. Come on. Oh, no, but she, I know. How do you know RoboCop doesn't have a vacuum? But she adapts to other, she adapts to other friggin' situations that has to require normally made duties just because she doesn't have, you don't see the other things that could possibly happen doesn't mean she doesn't have that capability. I understand, I understand I mean, that it's true to say that, that she would win in this in this fashion, but come on. Like, you're sure she's in, the Jetsons are far in the future, but Rosie was drawn and developed early in, what, the 60s or 70s? Like, this technology, when they were creating her, she's a tin can. She doesn't even have an articulating mouth. Like, she... Is, but you you could mistake a tin can as in basically a simpleness in design as well, though. No, but this this is like you, you're saying just because she's a robot, she could kill RoboCop. RoboCop is a cybernetic fucking and human hybrid. Okay, he's like fighting C-3PO. Okay, he's just fighting another fucking piece of shit made robot. She's not that great. She's just another robot from the future. You know what I mean? She, she does have a little attitude, but no, she has but, attitude yeah. and she well, has super not, strength as well. She's not a Terminator. All, all those made robots can lift up a fucking couch. It's not necessarily super strength. She's a robot. She can lift heavy things to do her job. Robocop can fucking push a car off his body. He's got some pretty badass strength, too. Again, she's not a fucking Terminator. She's not a, you know, a killing machine. She's a cleaning machine. I now just maybe think if she felt that, that the, the Jetsons were in trouble. I say so myself just then. Maybe if she felt that the Jetsons were in physical trouble that RoboCop was going to hurt them, that maybe she'd turn into some crazy killing machine. But just straight one-on-one, I'm sorry. I, I understand it's kind of neat to say that Rosie would, would beat RoboCop in this case, but I, I just don't buy it. I think she's faster than RoboCop. He's a bit lumbering, like literally just the, in terms of his design. I think she, uh, she's she got that one That's wheel. She wheel. flies She flies around, like literally around. I, I honestly think she's faster and you're underestimating that, like to Christian's point, the strength and the gun is kind of irrelevant here, folks. Like, I mean, she is all steel. Like that's not going to do anything. The steel. Yeah, no, the gun would blow pieces of her off. It's not going to, it's not going to, you don't it's know not, that. Well, you don't know. She's you, not made of fucking adamantium. She's made of regular old fucking metal. A bullet but, is still that big ass fucking whatever caliber that gun is. It shoots through fucking uh, a regular car or whatever. It's going to blow up a piece of fucking Rosie the, the robot. Yeah, but you don't know what kind of metal polymer that Rosie's made off in the year 2062. Neither do you. you. Think she's, she think you would, assume, well, you would assume, though, she's an evolution of robot to, she Robocop could be technology. fiber. She's not indestructible, though. You're saying you're, you're you're making it seem like she's fucking again a, an indestructible Terminator brought back from the future. She's not. She's a <laughs> robot that that fucking cooks and cleans for a fucking average everyday family. How indestructible is that robot meant to be? 
They're, yeah, they're, they're throwaways actually in the, in the future, kind of like iPhones now. You just use them for a few years and then they're garbage. She's probably made a fucking tin. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I think you're, I think basically you're, you're looking at her from a very friggin' superficial, uh, surface look at the robot. <laughs> and I well, think the thing, and I think, speculating and I think, making things and assumptions. Oh, stuff. and I think, and I think you're misunderstanding streamlining of design for possible killer robot technique. <laughs> <laughs> we might be stretching here, Christian. But the problem is, you are, like you, the, the unfair advantage here is that she is animated. Right? Like that's, it's hard to get out of your head that she's cheaply made because she's a cartoon versus someone that's in a movie, right? No, but even if there was a, I would think even if there's a Jefferson's movie, here's my point is, okay, so you've got her. Jefferson. or the, uh, the, uh, Jetson. The Jeffersons had a robot? Yeah, it was a black robot though. I want to see a new Jeffersons. No, uh, if you were looking at the Jetsons, She's not the, the craziest robot from that future. You understand? Everything is, is, is like that. So, you know, she's no, no more special than anything else from that future. So why, why would she be a killer and indestructible when the car changes, tur- turns into a, a jet? You know what I mean? And all that shit. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, granted, they live obviously in a peaceful utopian society. But I like to think that that basically there's, they've prepared contingencies in case civil uprest, you know, happens to occur. And Again, she, you're, 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 you're trying to build something that does not exist into the side. No, no, I'm, I'm speaking from the canon. I've read uh, stuff on the Internet that, that supports all of this. In any expanded universe of the Jefferson. Yes. There is some very elaborate fan fiction written about Rosie the Maid. That's right. The, the days before the Jetsons, Rosie Death Box. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's see here. Mike, Mike uh, Downs, Bloom, uh, both vote for RoboCop. Uh, I'm sticking with Rosie. I like to think that you are too, Mr. DJ. I'm going to stick with Rosie. You guys are full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I had a coin, I'd call it in the air. Oh, wait, I do have a coin. Uh, So uh, let's see here. Uh, If it's heads, Rosie wins. Oh, RoboCop wins. Yay! Well, uh, I will say, thank you. That was pretty honest, Christian. I, I, if there's anything about the Atomic Geeks podcast, Mr. DiGiovanni, is honesty is my creed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, that was a lot of fun. God, I love doing the Versus episodes. Uh, lots and lots of fun. I think uh, the next time that we do this episode, which will be uh, quite a while from now, we are going to ask uh, our fans to put uh, matches on the forums, and we'll take them directly from there. It will make my job a hell of a lot easier. So uh, I think there's an area there where we can put matches now. So start thinking up some really good matches and put it there on the forums there, uh, our friends and, and fans on the Internet, for crying out loud. So make your job easier, meaning sit around in your underpants thinking up fucking ideas of who should hypothetically fight. Is that much work? Listen, four installments of the show for it, and I put all these. I put all these ideas. My brain shot up, put it all together. Cried out loud. Someone else can take the do the work for one for once. Cried out loud. Um, so that'll do it. Uh, so how about we jump right into our atomic picks? Uh, Mr. D. Giovanni, why don't we start with you? Oh, okay. Um, two atomic picks for me this week. First of all, uh, just want to do a throw out to Red Letter Media. This is the guy that does those great and very long reviews. He's done them for Phantom Menace and Attack the Clones, and he's finally done one for Revenge of the Sith. 
This shit is funny as hell, but pinpoint accurate. You can find all of his reviews either on YouTube or at redlettermedia.com. The Revenge of the Sith, I do warn you, you're going to need almost two hours to watch this in-depth review, but it is damn worth it. You'll never look at those movies the same. So get uh, take a look at redlettermedia.com's review of Revenge of the Sith. And the my other atomic pick is a new comic book. And this one, <laughs> the title alone makes it worthwhile of an atomic pick because this one is called Time Lincoln. That's right, folks. It's a time-traveling Abraham Lincoln comic book. Oh, That's right. Before this comic wasn't made for Christian Nielsen, I don't know what it was. This The actual tagline for it is, in his final hour, he lived a lifetime. That's right. Before Abraham Lincoln was killed at Ford's Theater, he was taken away into the void and able to now go on adventures through time. And he works with a bunch of other travelers by other historic greats like Ben Franklin, George Washington, and Washington <laughs> and Albert Einstein. <laughs> they And they have to fight the... <laughs> the chrono communists who are led by void Stalin. This is a pretty gonzo topic for an idea for a fucking comic book, but it's actually pretty well crafted. It's pretty, pretty fun stuff. It's by Antarctic press. It's very indie and it's done. It's written and drawn by a guy named Fred Perry, who shows a lot of promise as an artist, but especially as a writer uh, this is very silly, the idea, but he plays it pretty straight. And his, his, uh, the way he throws around classic historical figures and places them in this sort of high action time travel drama is pretty clever. So, uh, there are three books out currently of Time Lincoln. The newest one is Time Lincoln, Apocalypse Mao. So, Check those out. It's unfortunately not on Comixology yet, but you can find it at comic stores or you can order it at AntarcticPress.com. All right, I'm going to jump in with my Atomic Picks this week. Uh, I don't know if you remember a board game called Risk, but hey, uh, if you do, you might want to know that it is available now to play on both the PS3 and on your iPad. Uh, just recently, I guess I'm kind of a... Uh, a risk going risk crazy. I purchased for ten dollars through the PSN network Risk Factions, which uh, is essentially you can play Risk. Uh, there's a, a campaign game that I played through in a short amount of time where you play as very unusual armies against each other. Lots and lots of fun. And then I just happened to check uh, on my iPad and say, Hey, I wonder if they have Risk for the iPad. And they did. And it was on sale. And at the time, I bought it for three dollars, but now it's six dollars. Brr. But still, that is the classic risk you can play in the traditional fashion. And uh, that was a lot of fun, too, for crying out loud. I know, you know, all I have to do now is find some uh, real people to play with and play Risk even more. Uh, so next with our Atomic Picks, how about you, Mr. Downs? Okay, uh, two picks for me. Uh, first up is a, uh, I believe it was an Atomic Pick on here, but also something mentioned on our forums. And this is the comic book Chew. Um, and this is about the... Um, police detective who gets some sort of feelings about people or, or subjects when he eats 
whatever they are. So if he eats uh, some some fruit, he learns all about the pesticides the fruit was uh, sprayed with and where the fruit was grown. Um, this was, uh, again, something mentioned on the uh, – I think Mike DiGiovanni mentioned this as an atomic pick. It was also mentioned mm-hmm. on the uh, forums. And this was a free number one issue on the Comixology app, and that's why I got it. And I thought this was a goddamn good little comic book. So if you're out there and you have the Comixology app, why not download – Chew, number one, for free. Um, next up is uh, a little TV show uh, returned this past weekend, uh, and that is the Spartacus uh, Season 2. So this is, uh, as, I, as I've mentioned again on the forums, uh, Andy uh, Whitfield, I believe is the guy's name, who played Spartacus in the first season, has had uh, as, as, uh, come down with cancer. And so they've had to come up with a interesting way to keep this TV, sh- TV show going. And so they've gone now some 10 years in the past and are showing how the characters of the first season came to, to, to power and things like that. So um, the first episode came out and did not disappoint. Uh, my buddy Mark was over and we saw all kinds of blood and sex and lesbianism and le- uh, woman masturbation. It was quite sexy. Um, if you like sexy and blood and crazy, you should <laughs> check out Spartacus, Gods of the Arena. Or go to Downs' website, sexydirtyblood.com. I was going to say, it's good that you enjoyed that with your friend at home alone. Actually, we we joked that it was almost like we were watching gay porn, but there was lots of heterosexual, almost like porn stuff in there as well. Andrew Bloom, Atomic Picks, please. Uh, I've got two things I want to mention this week. One of them being a uh, little um, website called video to mp 3 Two being like the number dot net. Uh, with this little handy dandy website, you can go in and drop your YouTube link into it for say a song or some type of whatever. I don't want to be promoting stealing music, but you drop your link in there. It converts it to an MP3 that you can then download and put it into your iTunes. Uh, kind of awesome. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to talk about, which was not kind of awesome, is I saw Green Hornet on the weekend. Oh. there It's one of those movies that you want to like, you kind of like, but you just can't really like because there's so, a couple of things wrong with it. Uh, not great storytelling and, sadly enough, not very good casting. Seth Rogen does not play a very good leading role. I don't think that surprises anyone that much. Uh, his superhero-ness is not really there. I'm surprised that Michelle Gondry didn't really put something a little more quirky together. It looks like he tried to make a mainstream-type action film, and it kind of fell flat in a lot of areas. Um, I would suggest DVD on this one. Don't waste your $20 at the theater. At the Steam Whistle Brewery, all four of us together for the Great Atomic Geeks Trivia Challenge. Episode 100. Episode 100 for crying out loud. That's That itself is exciting in itself. <laughs> don't, don't we have a chrome cover for this issue? Chromium cover, yeah, in a sealed bag, and it's uh, got a grading of uh, 4.5. <laughs> um, I'd like to do a few uh, shout-outs before we sign off today. Uh, first of all, 
uh, Facebook Facebook fan page. We have one. Uh, if you're listening to us, I would like to think that you like us. And if you're listening to us and you like us, why don't you go to Facebook, search out the fan page, and then click like. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I want to say thanks specifically to Darren Elvis uh Holland, who said some really nice compliments of the show. He's listening to the show from the start to finish. Wow, wow, wow. That makes us feel great. I appreciate that. Big D. Uh, also, I'd like to say some, uh, say some thanks to our, to our friends on Twitter. Uh, specifically, uh, pardon me, I'm going to say this incorrectly, but Vamahaho uh, Homa from Perth, Australia. Another fan from Perth, Australia. Ho-ho, my God, we're lighting that continent on fire. And another big thanks to Small Shop Blogger, uh, also from the Twitter. Uh, follow him if you get the chance. Um, so that'll about do it for the Atomic Geeks episode 99. Uh, the one thing I like to mention and always mention every time I host is that if you've got the time, if you've got you know, the yearning to write a review, why don't you go to iTunes and write an iTunes review for the Atomic Geeks podcast? It makes us feel good, and it makes us look good. So please, go and write one, two, three reviews. Apparently, you're allowed to. Hooray! So that'll do it, folks. Episode 99, the Atomic Geeks podcast. Goodbye. You've just listened to another episode of The Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. <laughs> Boo, that was a bit awkward, but anyway. Yeah, go. a little bit, eh? <laughs> Goodbye. It is what it is. Goodbye. Suck it, Internet. Do listen to that and love it.